0: It's cold outside it's overcast, thick clouds and it may actually start to rain anytime now so hopefully I can do this walk this short walk uh, before the rain will start pouring down and actually I shouldn't be podcasting at all I shouldn't be walking here and the reason is I'm actually sick. <laughs> I have uh, a very um, bad cold which started uh, last thursday Had a a busy day a meeting with uh, the uh, people of the tv broadcasting company and when that meeting was over it was around three o'clock in the afternoon i felt that i had a fever and i just really didn't feel well so i went home and it only got worse and then the next day i started to have a pain in my throat I started to cough, and that basically got worse and worse over the weekend. So, um, the problem is, I'm a parish priest, and there are only three of us in this region for two parishes and 15 churches. (laughs) So, (coughs) excuse me. I actually really can't afford to be sick, because there's no one to replace me. So really, I have to be almost dead for me not to go and celebrate Mass. So I did that on Sunday evening. Uh, Sorry, Sunday morning. Thankfully, I didn't have, I wasn't scheduled for Mass on uh, Saturday evening. A colleague of mine uh, celebrated Mass there, so I could go to bed a bit earlier. But then Sunday morning, wow, that was really tough to do two Masses in a row. And uh, especially the second mass, I entered the sacristy, and they're burning frankincense. I was like, let's not do that, because I think this I wouldn't survive. And uh, anyway, I got home, and then the coughing just started to get worse and worse. And ever since I studied in Rome, I've had a very uh, I've, uh, uh, increased sensitivity. Uh, of my lungs, I got almost uh, pneumonia when I was in Rome it was uh, misdiagnosed by a local doctor there never go to a local doctor in in Italy Uh. anyway, so I got the wrong medication for months and it got worse and worse uh, until a teacher of mine took me to the hospital that's how bad it was, and the doctor there they took lung photos and everything and he said well actually there's already permanent damage because you've been receiving the wrong medication. So from now on, you'll, you'll, you're much more um, susceptible to, especially bronchitis. And if you're not careful, this could turn into chronic bronchitis. So as soon as you get the symptoms of a bronchitis, slow down, rest, drink lots of fluids, and take ample amounts of rest. Uh, welcome to my world. <laughs> when can I do that? I mean, every time... I uh, I get sick, then everything starts to pile up. You know, I I thankfully have a lot of margin when it comes to my TV work, so no no problems there. So I'm I'm very happy that I've been able to work up until this point. But for for the podcasting and for all the long term stuff, still can't really take it easier. So. What I did was a compromise. This morning I stayed at home. Um, I hardly slept because I've been coughing all night long. And then uh, for lunch I went to the uh, to the office and uh, immediately fell with. And this is a Dutch expression which I love. I fell with my nose in the butter. <laughs> That's an expression to say why I was just the luckiest person in the world because right as I arrived. Uh, we discovered that the problems that we experienced with the podcasts last week, and uh, those were pretty severe problems. All of a sudden, the the shows didn't download. And uh, we had published them, I think, on Tuesday already last week. And then people started to alert me, like, I still haven't got the new podcast. And I was like, what? The walk, strangely enough, did post and was available but then the weekly show was not so i went in and this was on thursday evening and i was already feeling sick I what's going on uh and i discovered that uh, for some reason the the post had been set to uh to draft so i'm thinking well if that's the only problem let's just activate the post and but then people started complaining well the show won't download so i went back the next day, and, and indeed, the show gave an error, and I'm still thinking this is something that we did wrong. Maybe the upload got corrupted. But then I started to look around, and it turns out that the hosting company that we've been using for I think it was ever since we split up with uh, SQPN uh, had severe software and hardware problems, but. At the same time was not communicating at all and they have thousands and thousands of customers they really were doing very well in their first few years and then towards the end of 2018 they completely disappeared of our radars no one communicated anything all our support tickets were unanswered and this was going on for for months now and so i was already worried like what's going on they didn't uh, didn't update their news blog any everything you posted on social media no re- no response whatsoever complete radio silence but at least the service worked so i was like okay let's just see if we can make it till the end of our contract because we uh, we paid for a yearly contract and then we'll switch but uh unfortunately mm-hmm. the um how do you, how do you say that politely um, the whipped cream hit the fan. Let's put it that way, and it seems that the problems are here to stay. So we thought at the end of the weekend that uh, we had everything kind of running more or less. We were thinking of switching to another hosting solution uh, in October because right now we're so we have so much other stuff that we we are working on. Uh, both practical in terms of the renovation of our offices, as well as the presentation of our programming for the end of the year. That's going to happen on the first of October. Um, I'm busy with my TV work. Uh, we have our regular shows that we need to do, etc., etc. But uh, this morning, when I came at the, I o- uh, came to the office uh, again. I saw on Twitter that some of my uh, old all-time listeners, the people that have been subscribed to the podcast for years, were unable to reach the show, so we should check again, and it turns out all the podcast files are gone. So there is a big hardware issue, uh, or maybe a misconfiguration of the servers over at Feedpress, P- P- and again, not a single peep. No communication, no apologies, no update like we're working on it. So I decided this is... Uh, a good thing that i came to the office <laughs> but we need to act quickly so fortunately i still had uh, an existing podbean account which is one of those hosting services um, and what we're going to do is we're going to post uh, some of our files there we have a free account there so you just get very limited uh, upload and download um, uh, uh, how do you say that Qu- quotas but at least we can serve a couple of thousand listeners For now And then uh, tonight when I'm back home I'll upgrade it to uh, to an unlimited account And then we have to start the laborious process Of bringing over all our shows Reconfiguring an RSS feed I'll spare you the technical details But it's a ton of unexpected work um, And for my part I'm glad that podcasting is not the only way In which I can reach uh, my audience And as you know I I communicate on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> and uh, and I have my YouTube channel, which is really doing very well, getting a lot of new subscribers. Um, so, hopefully people will not think that I've disappeared from the face of the earth, but, but this is still something we, we, well, we needed to act fast. And that's... Uh, well, again, I'm just thankful that I don't have that ongoing TV pressure, because all our shows are currently in production, and... I don't have to sweat that. Um, so I can, I can focus on fixing this uh, as soon as we can. So my apologies if you haven't been able to listen to my previous episode of The Walk. And maybe even this episode will take a while to get into your uh, podcasting devices so you can listen to it. Um, yeah. Sometimes just, well, things happen. <laughs> whipped cream happens so um, we need it well we're fixing it and hopefully if we switch to a more reliable uh, solution we can can forget about all the technicalities from now on thankfully the sun starts to shine I'm uh, on a busy crossroads here, Uh, all the kids are coming out of school most of them are on bikes but some of them are on uh, scooters that's what you hear but I'm glad that the sun is uh, is shining through the the clouds here because it was getting really cold maybe it's also because I I'm still running a slight fever but um anyway um what else is new well uh I th- I'm already starting to work on uh, the the programs for next year we're also putting together a short overview of the programs that we're going to make in, the, in these upcoming few months um, and one of the projects that I'm excited about is uh, uh, I'm going to work on a, a Lego course about the Eucharist which is for Catholics a super essential uh, sacrament. What's that sound? Is that a real bird or is that just <laughs> I've never heard this, this bird before. You hear that? Weep, weep. I have no idea what kind of bird that is. Anyway, I don't, I'm not really a connoisseur. <laughs> this is a sound that I've never heard in this neighborhood. Um, so, uh, I, what I want to do is to create a short crash course for children and their parents to better understand the, the Eucharist. Um, and then so i 'll focus on the various moments in the uh, liturgy of the Eucharist, and also a little bit about what exactly we are celebrating and why is it so important and it 's a challenge to do that with Lego, but also something i i 've been wanting to do for many years, and uh, we can finally focus on it and that 's uh, kind of the, the the first the pilot uh, 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 idea for a, a much Bigger project for parents and their kids, uh, because we really one of one of the things that I want to do is help parents to get their kids excited about faith and about the uh, about liturgy and to help them understand it and do it in such a way that is you know appealing to them. And uh, I think there's a great need for that kind of material. So looking forward to doing that. Um, Also, still working on my Ireland. a documentary, uh, t- taking a little bit more time than I thought, because I'm also helping the editors currently to do the other episode. So Hugo, for instance, is right now is uh, editing um, my TV episode about Lourdes, my visit to Lourdes uh, a couple of months ago, um, which I first wanted to edit myself, but then it also it's a very personal episode because I went to Lourdes to light a candle for and to pray for my parents. Um, and I've shared in previous episodes what's going on. So my father has uh, had severe congestion, or how do you say that, of his ve- the veins in his body. Um, mostly as a result of a very unhealthy lifestyle and smoking his entire life. So all the arteries in his body are kind of clogged up. And that led to uh, him losing his leg, uh, one of his two legs, and the medication as well as the uh, 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 not the painkillers but the uh, it's, what you call that when they put someone under uh, anyway you know what I mean um, it, it caused the del- delirium and for weeks he's been very very confused um, talking nonsense uh, very hard to manage in a certain way for the caregivers and but we were all kind of hoping that he would get out of that delirium and return to his old self he had these moments where he was almost like before and you could have a good conversation with him so that was very encouraging it was like you see it's gonna fade away and then uh he's gonna be okay and he'll probably need how now that he misses a leg uh his life is never going to be the same but at least mentally he is going to be the same again but unfortunately last couple of weeks things are going downhill again so he is still very very confused Um, which is the hardest of course on my mom who is you know has this daily care for him is that my father is not at home and he can't return home that's impossible for my mom to to manage because she's the same age as my father's so both 78 years old um but she's still you know uh, is worrying about uh and, and uncertain uns- uncertain about what's going to be the future for the both of them so that's really hard on her and uh w- well it's just we have, we'll just have to wait and see and uh how did I get to this oh so that was the reason when that, when the, these problems started I already had a, a bad feeling about it <laughs> I use that phrase way too often lately so I had a bad feeling about it I, I noticed that my father was getting confused and, you know at his age uh, you never know and, and so and also with these arteries I'm thinking this is this could potentially be a huge problem um and, well, the one thing that I'm really happy with is that my father is a very uh, cheerful patient. He's got a great sense of humor. A little bit of it, uh, I think, he passed on to me. Because <laughs> I <laughs> I tend to be uh, kind of a... Yeah, usually a, a pretty cheerful guy. And I think that is uh, definitely something that, uh, that I inherited from him. Um, so he's always cracking jokes and he's a very pleasant person in the institution where they currently take care of him. So in that respect, I'm, I'm happy for him that, uh, you know, it could, could have been the opposite, you know, where he would felt, uh, super unhappy. Of, after all, you're not home anymore and you're, uh, kind of locked up. Literally, he can't be in an open, uh, home. He, uh, they have to keep an eye on him (laughs) so anyway I went to Lourdes to light a candle for that and filmed uh, also went to my parents and uh, filmed uh, uh, short conversations with my father and my mother before he was hospitalized before everything started and uh, I noticed that when I tried to edit it that it was too personal I couldn't really... I couldn't decide what to keep and what not, and so I asked uh, Hugo to do it for me, and I think it will be a much better result, because you need sometimes a second pair of eyes to look at that material and to decide what is, you know, what works and what doesn't work. So, but anyway, that's uh, that's currently going on, and, uh... uh because I originally planned to do it myself, um, I, now I have to do a lot of the uh, voiceover work for, for Hugo, and then, well, that just takes time, and I need to sit down. It's still it's a form of writing, um, so you have to write all these connecting texts, because when I film, I'm not, al- I'm not always... My TV show, I don't film that as a vlog, so I'm rarely in front of the camera, which as a vlogger of course you would always do that because it's a very linear type of show you know you, you just say well now I'm going here and uh, you react to what's happening with the TV show I'm more kind of documenting what I see and then later on with the voiceovers and the presentation you kind of connect all those loose parts so that's the reason that uh, Ireland is uh, is delayed a bit but uh, it's still scheduled for... I think the end of October or maybe November to be on TV so uh, by that time I think I'll have everything ready for an international version of that as well which will be a little bit more uh, uh, expand I will will expand upon the material uh, the Ireland material because I did record quite a bit on camera in English while I was in Ireland but I didn't do it in Dutch because of the different style of the TV show but anyway so that's still coming, and uh, I'm cur- I'm reading a book that is uh, fascinating. I mean, it makes me think a lot, uh, and and I will give a short kind of first impression review. Okay, this lady is clearly a little bit uh, impatient here. <laughs> she wants to be in a parking spot where someone else is parked. Dude doesn't get out quickly enough, according to her. Anyway, um, so it's a review of a book that is uh, not translated in English yet, it will be next year. It's from a a Dutch historian. Um, And it is, uh, it's a very interesting take on history. It says, you know, uh, for for a lot of people today believe that mankind is inherently egotistical, bad, has a tendency to to be super selfish and, and uh, to, uh, to destroy everything that mankind touches. And he says, I wanted to verify that. And so he kind of gives a, like a very, very broad overview of, of the history of mankind and has a lot of, I think, good arguments to say, well, there is actually that very negative, cynical image of, of mankind is incorrect. Uh, History, biology, um, uh, what is it? um, Well, science doesn't doesn't really um, ratify that that negative view of mankind. In fact, there are also a lot of uh, historical and scientific uh, indications that mankind is actually, most people are good on the inside, and are, have a tendency to help each other. And uh, he, I mean, the, I do have some criticism of the of the book. There are some broad strokes, especially when it, when it's about religion, which he kind of discards a bit too easily, like a lot of scientists nowadays. Um, but I do like the the premise of. Uh, well, let's, let's push back against that idea that everyone is cynical and evil and bad. It's a tendency today, also on social media, and many of you feel that when you go on social media. It doesn't make you happier, but you're k- kind of inundated with all this negativity and the hatred and the cynicism, the, the hypercriticism... And it it can determine, it can really have an impact on the way you look at the people around you, but also the way you look at solutions, how how to operate in a world. uh, So in short, your view of who we are and how we behave, so what we call anthropology, influences uh your your economy your cho- your political choices your, a lot and um what i the where i di- disagree with the book is that he says uh you know religion usually has a very negative view of mankind you know people are evil and they have to be saved but if you leave it up to them they're just going to s- destroy everything i'm thinking no, uh, well, it depends on what kind of Christian anthropology you, uh, you have uh, encountered. The Catholic view of mankind is actually very positive. If you look at a theologian like uh, Thomas Aquinas, he says, yes, there, there is a tendency in people as a result of the original sin to be selfish, but... It's not that everything that, that people do is inherently evil. Actually, one of his main um, insights is people will always choose what is good. No one can do something that is inherently evil per se just for the sake of being evil. That doesn't happen, says, says Thomas Aquinas. What does happen is that people, they th- sometimes err... err- in judging what is the true what is truly good so someone who is robbing a bank may think hey that that i do that because it's good you know it's not like no one robs a bank it's just i just want to do evil stuff you know i just want to kill people and take money no it's always because you know that that money is going to help me it's going <laughs> to fulfill my desires etc um so even though the result is actually objectively evil and, and uh, wrong and a sin, still so the underlying motivation is always someone is always looking for something that is good. Um, so th- that already is a very positive way of looking at, at our choices and the things that we decide. And then what, what, what Thomas Aquinas and, and Catholic tr- theology always recommends is, well, you have to form your conscience. Your conscience will... Lead you to what to what is truly good, um, and it, it's the voice of God. It, it whispers in your heart, even if you're not a religious. You don't have to open the Bible to discern what is good and what is bad. Your conscience will guide you, but your conscience has to be formed and then has to be informed. So, but I like that approach. It also is a is a. I think that Catholic Church would never say someone is. Doomed forever, and we cannot judge that the God knows that, not we, and for God, as long as we live on this earth and, and as long as we are part of time, then there is always time for conversion, even if it 's in the last second of your of your life. That to me is the basis of a very positive worldview. Nothing is always completely lost first of all, we, we believe that Jesus has already um, can already claim victory over evil and even if people don't realize it yet but Satan has already been defeated and so Jesus is did come to us not to judge but to save that's what he says himself that is his primary objective is to save people to bring them into the fold to let them share in love and forgiveness and, and mercy and whatnot. So, when this writer says, well, religion is only super negative, I'm thinking, I think that he's probably influenced a bit too much by his own Protestant background. Um, where in some Protestant circles, evangelical circles, Baptist, you name it, there is often a very negative view of the human condition, where... You know nothing good can come of of mankind of man unless we are saved by Jesus, and that would be going too far for uh, for Catholic uh, for the, for the Catholic doctrine. But it also um, determines how you look at the world. And so I, I was asking myself, how do I look at the people around me? How do I look at the church? How do I look at society and politics? Have I given up, basically, on, uh, on hope? Uh, have I given up on, the, uh, on trusting that things will eventually balance themselves out? Even if we're going through a time where everybody seems to be so negative and so critical. Take, for instance, Star Wars. There, are, There is a, a group of Star Wars fans that thinks and sometimes also very loudly professes that Star Wars is lost forever. Disney has changed their beloved stories and turned it into an ideological um, uh, propaganda machine. Hey, a little cat <laughs> sitting here. Hi, hey buddy. (laughs) Aw, you bumped your head into. I'm still a little bit shy. It was curious. (laughs) (laughs) So they have opened the street here. I guess it's also kind of part of the renovations in this neighborhood. They're completely replacing all the pipes and all the electricity and then the final thing is to make it turn it into a nice street. And the poor cat is probably angry that they changed the street without alerting him and asking its permission. <laughs> but, um, so, uh, those Star Wars fans have given up, basically, on Star Wars. And for some reason, they also almost religiously want to convince every, anyone who is still positive about Star Wars or optimistic about the future of the franchise... Of the contrary. And then... Some people get so... um, uh, Impacted by that negativity... That it it kind of turns them off Star Wars as well. I'm following a a Star Wars page... um, On Facebook. And these guys that run that page... Always were super Star Wars fans. Always enthusiastic. They found the, the coolest articles and videos online. And so I was like, wow, yeah, fellow Star Wars fans. And just recently there, there was a post of the moderator of the page. He said, you know what? I just saw the new trailer for Star Wars 9. <coughs> <coughs> and uh, I think it's because of all the negativity. I'm no longer looking forward to this movie. I've just had so much... I mean, he's a very high profile Star Wars fan page so they do get a lot of that negativity that it's posted and needs to be moderated but he's like I just, I just give up on, on this I can't I just I associate Star Wars with, with so much negativity that I'm no longer I can't read I, I can't find joy in Star Wars anymore like I'm thinking whoa I mean that's that's so terrible and that you know what that can also happen when it comes to faith where people have very strong negative uh, experiences. Be it in the context of uh, their local parish or the personal contact with a priest or worse, sometimes in situations where the church has been so dysfunctional and has been causing so much damage. Think of the abuse crisis. Think of all the cover-up that was going on. Think of all the... um, Hypocrisy sometimes of people in the church, where on the one hand their behavior is very much like the scribes and the Pharisees. you know we know what is the true religion and true orthodoxy and all those snowflake Catholics with their goody good shoes, Jesus, and, and then the, they're all you know, they are all going to hell, basically, so on the one hand super you know dogmatic uh, uh, let's say hostile to anything that according to them is not Catholic enough but then sometimes you will see that these people have double lives and on the other hand in their own personal behavior you see nothing of that holiness that they claim from other people and so they are very judgmental towards, uh, towards other people they never look into the mirror those experiences if, you have, if you've had enough of those negative experiences and uh, it, it repeats itself over and over again it can actually take away your joy it can destroy that I think innate optimism of Christians and this, this feeling that we're already saved uh, where we have a message of, of hope we believe in the, the gospel is a good message it's a, it's, it's a message of joy and liberation but if you only have experiences that seem to uh, seem to prove the opposite of that then you can actually really lose your, your joy and lose your, your faith in people and maybe sometimes even lose your faith in the church what I always hope is that people don't lose their faith in God and then everything will be okay. But uh, it's just something that I was wondering while reading that book, and I'm still in the process of reading it, how do I look at the, at the church? Do I let myself uh, be influenced too much by all this negativity? And, and you know what? Even though you know me as someone who's usually very cheerful and, and optimistic, and for some of the naysayers, I'm uh, naïve and childish and whatever. <laughs> but um, but there are cases where I think I've been also uh, tainted by that negativity. Um, and by almost a sense of despair. Uh, which can also, in order to kind of avoid the negative feelings and the hurt of, of despair... You become cynical. And for me, that's definitely when it comes to the future of our parishes. Uh, I, I noticed this this Sunday when I went to church, while I was distributing communion, I was thinking, oh, these old people, they're all like 75 or older. Five years from now, there's not going to be much left of this generation that is currently still, hmm. They're not even filling the church, uh, you know. You have 150 people, and you and then you hear that that is only because this Sunday there was a mass. If there's if there's only a, a communion service, then you'll have 40 people. Um, and but I noticed that, uh, and, and this this kind of joins <clears throat> the experience of many of my fellow priests as well in the, in in their parishes, and also of our bishops. My my bishop is. Uh, sometimes very pessimistic in in the way that he judges the situation of the church in in my diocese and in my country, and so what he keeps repeating is people are so individual individualistic uh, today they have no no interest in uh, they're not faithful they don't go to church uh, the culture is very hostile etc etc so he just keeps on repeating. Almost a mantra, and I, I think it's all it could be a self fulfilling prophecy so you know as a result so th- that if you lose your confidence in people if you let if you let yourself be convinced that most people are inherently evil and egotistical and hurtful, then that will also influence your Decisions and your policy, and that is what I see in my diocese, are closing so many churches. And uh, it's like, oh, but this is all going to be gone anyway, so let's not even try anymore. And the focus is sometimes way too much for my taste on uh, let's make sure that the remainder of the church community is orthodox, abides by the rules, doesn't make the mistakes that led us to this disaster. And so there seems to be a very legalistic approach to what it means to be a Christian. And it's all about, you know, being... Uh, to subject yourself to the rules, to be obedient, to just do your job, you know. Uh, you see that also on, a national, for, on an international scale, with some of these heartliners that just keep um, emphasizing that uh, church, uh, the world, uh, the world will go down in flames unless people convert. And so it's this super negative uh, uh, assessment of of the culture in which we live. And so the, you may have seen uh, this this. Uh, uh, I say that the, 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 the huge criticism of a number of people of the working document for the synod, uh, the Amazon synod. And then, you know, the opponents are, are more than just critical. For them, this is a menace to society and to, to the future of the church. This is so terrible that, um, you know, it's almost as if they don't believe anymore that the Holy Spirit is involved at all. And so it's this emphasis that oh, we need to start a campaign of fasting and prayer to prevent, this from, for, for, to prevent the church from adopting these heretical positions. and Very, very negative view of the state of the church, the state of the world, of the faith of the people involved. And ultimately, if I have to judge that, also a lack of faith in the Holy Spirit, and it's and and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And um, the, the, it's you know what, I think it is so dangerous for us to um, to feed that negativity. I al- also have these feelings sometimes where I despair and I think, ah, oh, it's never going to work. You know, our churches are empty, and our parishes are going all going to close down and. You know, twenty years from now, I'm going to be a priest for uh, for twenty parishes, and I'll need a helicopter to go from one mass to another. And I, I despair, but and I forget that that's not how the Holy Spirit works. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. It's true. It's not how the Holy Spirit works. If you if you give yourself to God and your heart is open and you ask God, work through me, use me as an instrument of your love, and your peace, and your forgiveness, and your mercy, things will start to flourish. And life will come back in in your own life, and in the life of the people that surround you. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I think it's, it's, it's what Pope Francis says about priests that are discouraged and overworked, pessimistic, cynical, Careerist sometimes in the worst cases uh, leading double lives he says the way to cure the priesthood is for priests to go back to the flock be among the people don't ask yourself how can others help me but ask yourself what how can I serve you and it's by serving and by being with the flock as much as you can that is how you will be Um, how how you will be healed how your heart will find joy again Uh, it's all about uh, if if there's no joy in your life that is very very important that's the canary in the coal mine when you don't feel joy anymore then that means you have to go look at what is my life built on what are the pillars of my life Um, who do I surround myself with what kind of stuff do I read? This historian quoted uh, research, recent research that um, when it comes to the consumption of news, in, in the times that I grew up, news was seen as something absolutely part of your, of your uh, daily routine. It's important. The more you know, if you have the facts, uh, the more you will make good, the right decisions. Um, so it was seen as a virtue to follow the news. Apparently, from recent research, it's the opposite that is the case. The more people follow the news, the more pessimistic, negative, cynical their view of the world becomes. And also, the more their choices are impacted by that worldview. If if you are trying to make money, you have a company, and your premise is, all people are egotistical, so I need to make them even more selfish that that changes everything that will, why do we have so mu- so many problems nowadays with big giants like Facebook and Google facebook is perhaps the worst example facebook thrives with negative behavior uh posts that are making people worried or angry or or you know or uh uh Frustrated. That that is. Those are the kind of posts that are uh, getting the most engagement, and so they fan the flames. That's what they do. And the more people are uh, upset about something, the more likely they are to spend their money. Uh, one of the one of my biggest irritations right now in the Catholic media sphere are these these channels. That present themselves as very orthodox Catholic channels. Uh, well, d- d- let's just name names: uh, the uh, life site News, for instance. Um, you also have uh, this group of uh, the, the Church Militant, uh, Vorbes or whatever. They thrive on on negativity. They pres- always present themselves as the true warriors against. Infidelity, bad bishops, uh, the culture of death, etc., etc. And they, the, they are the prophets. They are, if you, if you follow us, you know we're the true church. We are the heralds of the of the truth, of unity. Of uh, well, they don't even use the word unity. That's probably also something they don't like. Um, and so it's this ongoing crusade against. Bishops that they perceive as not being orthodox also often openly against Pope Francis Where, uh, and they, they have a huge impact on on the general uh, views, at least in, in, in certain circles and in the United States uh, because they they know the media and they, uh, they, they play with the media to influence opinions and what you will often see is that there is, for them, it's a good thing to do in terms of revenue. The more you present yourselves as we are, you know, we're going to solve this problem. As long as people follow us, make us strong and we will save the world and we will save the church against all those evil people and uh, donate here. If you look at where the money comes from, that sometimes explains a lot about positions that they take. There is money to be made with negativity and uh, with a cynical worldview and uh, a lack of trust in the goodness of people. Because if people are good, you know, or have uh, the ability to do good, even without being constantly incentivized by or threatened by by uh, eternal damnation or, or church rules or whatever, well, they, they don't need a savior. Um, well, you could say we all need our savior, <laughs> but it, the savior is Jesus and it's not a, an organization. Um, so what I'm trying to say is it, it, it really matters how we look at, the people around us if we have faith in our neighbor or not if we mistrust everyone or if we give trust if you give trust very often you will receive trust in return and there will always be cases where that is not the case where people will take advantage of your your trust and your your positive world view I mean I told you last week (laughs) In case you haven 't listened to the episode because of all the technical problems i 've been scammed. I paid for something online on a ebay like website and never received the goods and then ultimately discovered that this was a scammer who robbed me from one hundred and fifty euros. Yeah, I was so naive people say because yeah I, I had no reason to to distrust that person who was who was uh, who was selling me uh, that product? And so, was I disappointed? Yeah. But did it did it impact? Did uh, do I now think that all everyone who's trying to sell something online is potentially a scammer? And I'm super distrustful, and I, uh, I never buy anything online anymore. And no, I refuse to let one person who is taking advantage of me to influence the way I look at people around me. I think most people that I deal with are not scammers, are not robbers, are not evil. And maybe I should even use that attitude towards the people involved in those, you know, certain of those hypercritical uh, organizations that use media to smear the Pope and, uh, and push people to despair. Maybe a lot of people that are involved in those channels or are following or supporting them truly seek what they perceive as the best thing for the church but again go back to thomas aquinas they think some people truly think that pope francis is a menace to the church and he's it's all going to lead to schisms and 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 some go even as far as to, to say or in hint at uh the conviction that this pope isn't even truly the pope that he was uh, elected by manipulation, and so that the the seat of of Saint Peter is actually vacant that is uh, a very dangerous approach of course to for the unity of the church but but those people still they are don't don 't do that just because they want to hate on the pope bec- but it 's because they truly believe and they 've you know been been Following a certain type of news uh, sites and uh, our social media can also create that bubble around you where you're constantly being fed fake news or the wrong facts or an un- imbalanced view. Because the Pope Francis would be the first to say that you can criticize him as long as it's constructive. But um, but I, that still doesn't change the fact that a lot of people that believe, truly believe what, what these channels propose them as a worldview is, is a good thing. And that they need to support that and they need to amplify that, uh, that sound. What I, what I think is, is most dangerous is some of the people that will take advantage of, of, the, of the, that inherent goodness and that desire of people to, for the church to be its best. Um, and uh, manipulate sometimes uh, the the news, the way they report on the Pope. And, and basically doing the same what they, in the past, always uh, criticized in other journalists <laughs> uh, to do with, with Pope Benedict. Um, so, but the, the, the thing is, and I, I'll just repeat what I said last week when I talked about the scammer. What I tried to do immediately was uh pray for that person. Pray for the people that have given you the, those negative experiences. Make that reconciliation at least in your own mind and try to to heal with with love and forgiveness what was Destroyed by hatred and, and meanness and, uh, uh, and egotism. Answer negativity with positivity. Enter criticism with benevolence and kindness and meekness and patience. And that can counterbalance uh, what can make you desperate. And so, the, it, it's rarely that by just by entering a debate and by, argue, by uh, arguing that you're going to find that right balance. It's I think it starts with looking at the other person as a child of God, someone that you may have to deal with for the rest of eternity because he or she will also be saved. And so, if you're going to get along in eternity then maybe it's worth trying to get along right here before we get there if you see what I mean that is what I wanted to share with you and uh, uh, do with it what you want <laughs> I don't know if this is applicable <coughs> in your own personal situation but it's definitely something that's been on my mind and I always prayed um, even as a young priest, I always prayed God that I would never become cynical, because I grew up in a time where there was a very polarized climate in the Catholic Church, and I was getting desperate. I was like, "How how can we ever build up something if people hate and mistrust each other so much?" And that was within the Catholic Church. Um, and I always asked the the only thing that I asked is, "God, please give me a cheerful heart." give me always joy give me always the ability to put, put things in perspective and never despair uh, and so far so good and I hope the same for you thanks for listening take care and God bless